you to us today. Amen. Love you, honey. Amen. Praise the Lord. I think he's happy that I made him some pumpkin chocolate chip cookies the other day. <laughs> no, I, I am so blessed to, um, to have a wonderful husband. Thank you. Um, Brother Brown, for everything that you do. Um, and um, while we are standing, please turn to the book of Revelation, chapter 22, verse 17. Sister Patricia, it's so good to see you. <laughs> so good to see you. And Brother Duru, welcome back. We love you. It's so awesome to see new faces every Sunday, um, new old faces. Um, you know, familiar faces, our church family, and uh, we just love each and every one of you, and we're so thankful for you. So good to be in the house of the Lord today. Again, Revelation 22, verse 17. Then we're going to jump to Mark chapter 8, verse 35. Sorry, I'm having you jump all over the place. We're at the end of the Bible. Then we're going to go to Mark 8:35. And then we have one more scripture, and I'll, we'll, we'll get there when we get there. Amen. Revelation 22, verse 17, it says, And the spirit and the bride say, Come. And let him that heareth say, Come. And let him that is athirst, Come. And whosoever will, let him take the water of life freely. Amen. And let's turn to Mark 8, verse 35. And then after you're there, we're going to turn to Matthew chapter 11, verse 28. So it's Matthew, Mark, the book before Mark. So again, we're going to go first to Mark chapter 8, verse 35. Amen. And I'm just going to warn you, I wasn't a long-winded preacher, but... I think my husband has been rubbing off on me. <laughs> and so um, I warn you, I don't know how this is, how long this is going to be today. The Lord gave me a word, and I feel that this is the word for today. It was confirmed over and over again. The beginning scripture, the, the songs, even yesterday, and this morning in my devotion. So I'm not trying to keep you here, arrest you at church, but I just want you to know that God has a word for you today. Amen. Mark 8, 35, it says, For whosoever will save his life shall lose it. But whosoever shall lose his life for my sake and the gospels, the same shall save it. In Matthew 11, verse 28, Amen. And it reads, Come unto me, all ye that labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Amen. You may be seated. Lord Jesus, we are so thankful for what you've already done in this service throughout the worship, Lord Jesus. And we feel such a sweet sweet presence of your spirit in this place lord we ask that you would have your way and that you would speak through your vessel this morning in jesus name amen amen 
how many of you know that we serve a merciful and compassionate God? Amen. He is a merciful and compassionate God. And God wants a long, he, he wants and longs for a relationship with us. He longs for closeness, clo- closeness of heart and communion. And I know that we use the word communion usually when we're about to partake of the bread and of the wine, um, which we drink grape juice, but you know what I mean. Um, and, and so we have that communion, but communion means to just speak to God, commune with God, have interaction with him, to receive and to give. So there is a relationship that goes there between you and the Lord, and he longs for relationship. Can I get an amen? Amen. Man, he longs for relationship. God also longs for obedience. You cannot have one without the other. Many people believe that they love God in their hearts, but do they show it? You can say, I love you to your spouse, but until you do something to prove that love, then that love is dead or inactive. Any, any wives here that can say amen? Any husbands that can say amen? You, th- love has to be proved. You have to have some actions to show that you love someone. As a matter of fact, the Bible also says in James chapter 2, in verses 17 and 20, that faith without works is dead because it is in our actions that we show our love or faith toward that being or that person. You know, about two, two weeks ago, two and a half weeks ago, I was really down. There's been so much that's been happening these past few months. And my wonderful husband decided to take me to Chick-fil-A. I didn't know where he was going. He said, let's just go in the car and go for a ride. So we started driving around, and we, we come around and... I see Chick-fil-A, I'm like, okay. Um, So he says, oh, I thought that I would um, bring you here so we can get some ice cream cones. And instead of feeling joy, I actually got upset. And the reason being is because McDonald's or Chick-fil-A or any other place, they're not serving cones right now. They're serving ice cream in cups. An ice cream cone in a cup. Not me. Anybody else feel that way? If you want an ice cream cone, you want an ice cream cone. You want ice cream in a cone. You want it to have that little swirl, and you want to be able to, when you get to the bottom of it, you know, eat the cup, the the actual cone, um, that crunch, that wonderful cone that is covered in ice cream, and and so poor Lewis. Poor Lewis. We got there, and instead of cheering me up, I think I got more down because I'm just more depressed because I do wa- I did want ice cream, but I didn't want it in a cup. Cups are for babies, you know, because they can't hold the cup, the, the cone. They need that cup so it doesn't drip everywhere. So I, I, I said, don't worry, don't worry. I'll just have some frozen coffee, you know. Frozen coffee will do. Coffee any day, any time. It's just good. Um, that'll, amen. Thank you, Brother Sam. Thank you. 
Um, so frozen coffee it was. It wasn't ice cream. I wish I could have had ice cream, but the next day I think we went to, to Target and got ice cream bowls. <laughs> the, the cones, you know, the sugar bowls. And, and so there we go. That, that resolved my dilemma. I didn't get my cone that day, but we got bowls the next day. Uh, but he is such a wonderful husband. And he did his best. He did his best to show his love, his affection for me. Um, and so, you know, aren't you thankful that God isn't like us ladies? Sometimes we don't even know what we want. Um, our husbands ask us all the time, where do you want to go out to eat? I don't know. You pick and then they pick and we said, we don't want to go there. And we just, we're always not sure. It's not what you say. It's something else. I just don't know what it is. But God is not like us. He, he does know what he wants in a relationship. And he communicates that through his written word and how we are to have relationship with him. So throughout his word, he lets us know what kind of relationship he wants with us. The bride and the spirit say, come. And he is waiting for us to come to him, to commune with him. But we hesitate because we want to do our own thing. As I mentioned before, many of us believe in our hearts that, that we love God. But do we know that? Do we know that? And most of all, does God know that we love him based on our actions? God shows us through his word how we can repair the sin problem in our lives that we may be that we might be right with him yet we just do what we want to do even when we know the outcome is to our detriment I believe we are sincere when we ask the Lord to help us make the right decisions so that we can please him better. But we lack the perseverance to do what we know to do. Many of us know what we need to do to get things right with the Lord, but we just don't want to do it in our hearts because our will overpowers his will. We want to come to God, but we don't push through to truly get to where he is. And in our opening scripture today, Brother Cain said that God longs for us to come to him. And he is wanting us to come to him, but are we willing to push through to truly get to where he is? In Jeremiah 42, I've been in the book of Jeremiah. And Jerusalem, it talks about Jerusalem, how it was besieged by the Babylonians. I'm sorry, I didn't give my title. It's let them come. I apologize. Let them come. Jerusalem had been sieged by the Babylonians. All the walls, or some of the walls, I should say, of the city was, were broken down. Items from the temple were taken, all of the instruments that were used for sacrifices were taken, 
a labor was taken. There were so many beautiful things, costly things, and things that were used for worship that were taken from the temple. The p- so many people that were killed. And the people that were not killed were then taken into captivity, and the only ones that were, le- that were left in Judah, in Jerusalem, were the poorest of the poor. And they were left to tend the lands. So Babylon completely sieged Judah. And here they are, just a few in number, a few military leaders that were left, and all the people from the least to, to the greatest that was left there in, in Jerusalem, in Judah, came to Jeremiah the prophet, and they asked him to pray to the Lord, his God, for them so that God would let them know what they ought to do and where they ought to go. In Jeremiah 42, verse, verses 5 and 6, it says, Then they said to Jeremiah, May the Lord your God be a faithful witness against us if we refuse to obey whatever he tells us to do. Whatever we like, whether we like it or not, we will obey the Lord our God to whom we are sending you with our plea. For if we obey him, everything will turn out well for us. This is their request. They went to Jeremiah and says, doesn't matter whether it's good or bad. We're just going to do what God asked us to do. Please go to the Lord and pray. So what did Jeremiah do? He said, okay, I will go to the Lord. I will do as you ask, and I will pray unto the Lord and see what he says. And so after 10 days of prayer, after 10 days of praying, Jeremiah the prophet came back to the people, and he says, I'm not going to hold anything back. This is what the Lord says And in verses 9 through 12, he says, And said unto them, Thus saith the Lord, the God of Israel, unto whom ye sent me to present your supplication before him. If ye will sit, I'm sorry, will still abide in this land, then will I build you and not pull you down, and I will plant you and not pluck you up. For I repent me of the evil that I have done unto you. Be not afraid of the king of Babylon, of whom ye are afraid. Be not afraid of him, saith the Lord. For I am with you to save you and to deliver you from his hand. And I will show mercies unto you, that he may have mercy upon you and cause you to return to your own land. So here in the scripture, we clearly see that God is telling Judah, I'm sorry. I'm sorry that I've had to take such extreme measures to keep you from sinning. It hurts me to do this, and I love you. So if you just stay, if you stay and abide here, I will make sure that Nebuchadnezzar is going to be kind to you. I will put it in his heart to treat you with kindness, with mercy. But there was a clause in verses 19 19 through 22. The Lord hath said concerning you, O ye remnant of Judah, go ye not into Egypt. Know certainly that I have admonished you this day, for ye dissembled in your hearts. That means you weren't true. 
you weren't true in your hearts. Even though you said you would do my will, whether it be good or bad, your heart said something else. For ye dissembled in your hearts when ye sent me unto the Lord your God, saying, Pray for us unto the Lord our God. And according unto all that the Lord our God shall say, so declare unto us, and we will do it. And now I have this day declared it unto you, but ye have not obeyed the voice of the Lord your God, nor anything for the which he hath sent me unto you. Now therefore know certainly that ye shall die by the sword, by the famine, and by the pestilence in the place whither ye desire to go and to sojourn. And in the New Living Translation, it says, I have told you exactly what he said, but you will not obey the Lord your God any better now than you have in the past. The temptation that we face is to do what we want to do and not what God wants. And I know that it's a little dry this morning, and I, I promise you that it's going to get a little bit better. I don't know. Maybe it will. Maybe it won't. I don't come to you with comforting words right now. He wants us to come to him. He wants us to come to him. He's been comforting us. He is with us. He is showing his love toward us, to us personally. But the time has come. The time has come. I woke up yesterday morning with those words in my mind. It was Jesus sitting on a table saying, let them come. Let them come. And again, the temptation that we face is to do what we want to do and not what God wants. It is not the devil that we need to fear, nor those that are around us, rather our will. Our will. The questions are always in the back of our minds and in the depths of our hearts. What do I do? What do I do? What do I feel like doing? And although your feelings were created by God, feelings were designed to help you convey your emotions and not base your decisions. But isn't that what we do? We base our decisions on emotions and not on the word of God. Our prayers amount to nothing if we do what we want. What good is it for us to pray, your kingdom come, your will be done, if we are focused on our little world and our emotions? There is a song that we used to sing, and I believe we, we still sing it from time to time. It says, yes, Lord, yes, Lord, from the bottom of my heart, to the depths of my soul, yes, Lord, completely, yes, my 
more time. Yes, Lord. Yes, Lord. From the bottom of my heart to the depths of my soul. Yes, Lord. Completely yes. My soul says yes. And the second verse says, I love you. I love you. From the bottom of my heart to the depths of my soul, I love you, I really do, my soul loves you, Jesus, Jesus, Jesus. Does your soul say yes to the Lord? from the bottom of your heart to the depths of your soul? Is it a complete yes? Our mouths say yes, but our actions and our emotions convey something else. Lord, help us to say yes, to say I do, that what I say and do is what you want us to do. Help us to come to you when we need direction because we need, we are always in need of God's direction. In everything that we do, we're always in need of God's direction. It's normal for us to struggle with what we want to do versus what God wants us to do. Paul tells us of his struggles in Romans chapter 5, verses 15 through 17. I don't really understand myself, for I want to do what is right, but I don't do it. Instead, I do what I hate. But if I know that what I'm doing is wrong, this shows that I agree that the law is good. So I am not the one doing wrong. It is sin living in me that does it. It is my will the things in me that want to do the things that are not right. Paul struggled with emotions. He struggled with desires and doing his own thing. But he recognized one too many times that God had called him to suffer for his name. So what did Paul do? Paul surrendered himself over and over again, Romans 12, 1 and 2, I beseech you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that ye present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable unto God, which is your reasonable service. And be not conformed to this world, but be ye transformed by the renewing of your mind that ye may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. Paul surrendered his mind, his will, his desires, and did not allow himself to be conformed to this world, 
but rather was transformed by coming to God and letting Jesus renew his mind. There must be a transformation that takes place in our minds and in our hearts. So when we say yes to the Lord, we completely say yes from the bottom of our hearts and the depths of our souls. That there is no wavering in us. Jesus also teaches us what to do when our feelings get the better of us. Luke 22, verses 40 through 46. And when he was at the place, he said unto them, I'm sorry. said unto them, pray that ye enter not into temptation. What is the temptation that he's talking about? The temptation is to do, to do what your will wants. And he was withdrawn from them about a stone's cast and kneeled down and prayed, saying, Father, if thou be willing, remove this cup from me. <laughs> Nevertheless, not my will, but thine be done. I can just feel the agony. Verse 43, and there appeared an angel unto him from heaven, strengthening him. And being in agony, he prayed more earnestly and his sweat was at, as it were, great drops of blood falling down to the ground. And when he rose up from prayer and was come to his disciples, he found them sleeping for sorrow and said unto them, Why sleep ye? Rise and pray, lest ye enter into temptation. Jesus dealt with some pretty intense emotions. We, we see him have, as this calm man, but Jesus had feelings. Jesus experienced happiness. He experienced sorrow. He experienced pain. And here he is in the garden, and he is experiencing some of the strongest emotions he had ever felt in his life. He was sad. He was angry. He was frustrated. He was betrayed. He was anxious, grieving, in agony. And if you look it up in the Greek, it means to be down. Of severe mental struggles and emotions. He was in anguish. He was torn up inside. He didn't know what to do. He didn't know what to do. He knew that one of his disciples had just gone to betray him. And he's dealing with all of this. He's with his disciples. He didn't go to the garden by himself. He went with the 12. And he asked them, 
pray so that you don't fall into temptation to do what you want to do. And they did. You know, they actually started praying with him. But they felt the agony and the pain that he did so much that they were exhausted and fell asleep. How many of you ever been there? I've been there. I've been there recently. I'm still there. There are nights where I just don't know what else to do but to cry. There have been some mornings where I've gone to my prayer room and no words come out. And I say, Jesus, it's just me today. There's nothing to pen down on a piece of paper. It's just me and my tears until I sob, until I get all of the feelings out. And he just holds me. He just holds me. He knows. He knows. He felt the weight of his emotions coupled with the responsibility that he had to be the sacrificial lamb to take away the sins of the world. Can you imagine the heaviness that was upon his shoulders? If it was you and I in that situation, we would have said, peace out. That's it. I'm out. I can't do this. I can't take it. Somebody else is going to have to come and die because I can't do it. I didn't commit those sins. Why do I have to die for their sins? Why do I have to forgive those that have betrayed me? Why do I have to smile and shake their hand when they've hurt me? But that's our will, isn't it? And not God's will. But not Jesus. He turned all fear, all doubt, and feeling over to his father at that moment in the garden. What is preventing you today to turn your worries and your cares over to God? Are you afraid of people seeing you cry? There are people here who probably haven't been to an altar in years. Not even a personal altar in your homes. Not necessarily because you don't want to, but because you're afraid to be touched. Touched by the master. Touched by the pain. And touched by others. There are so many feelings that are bottled up inside, but there is no release. Yet I hear the Lord say, let them come. He is sitting waiting for you. And he cries, let them come. <laughs> Sick in your body, suffering in your emotions, sick of yourself, having all of this anguish and pain, yet you do not come to the Lord. And yet I still hear the Lord saying, let them come. 
Maybe you have been to the altar, but it's been too long since you last poured yourself out unto God. You bring him your alabaster box intact, and no perfume comes out to anoint his feet. The feet that were nailed for your sins and for your sickness. How can the aroma fill the room? How can he anoint him when you can't bring yourself open unto him? We are the body of Christ. How is the body to bring healing to the hurting parts if we don't know what you're when you're hurting? How is God to minister to you when you don't show him your brokenness and your scars? He knows your pain. He sees the scars. But will you come to him? I hear the Lord say, let them come. Let them come. Jesus, in the few hours he had before his crucifixion, he did not go to the garden alone, like we mentioned before. He went with his disciples. He went with his friends. He had support. They came with him. They prayed. They felt agony just as he did, but they fell asleep. And even though the disciples went with Jesus to the garden, Jesus had to press forward. Jesus had to come to the Father, bring all of his, emo his emotions, his will, his desires, his temptation to not die and make that critical decision to go to the cross. And we, on the other hand, like to exclude the Father from our decision-making. We call ourselves the children of God, yet many times we want our will be done. We forego speaking to our Heavenly Father about the situation or the circumstance we are facing. And we make the decision we wanted all along, not caring who it affects. I'm so glad Jesus counted me worthy and surrender his will to the Father because it affected me. It affected us. It affected you. How many times did we cry asking God for help? How many times do we ask for direction but our heart is screaming, give me what I want? Give me what I want. We ask God to help us with our families. We ask God to help us with our finances, with our stress, with our jobs. We ask God to help us with our church family for direction, yet we want our will. Which one is it? Our will be done or God's will be done? And all I hear God saying is, let them come to me. God wants us to go to him. He knows 
how tired you are. He knows how sad you are. Jesus knows the burden that you carry. He knows that you're trying to carry it all. You can't. I can't. I can't. I can't. I can't. We can't carry it all. So he's calling out to us, come to me. Come to me. Because he wants to carry it. He wants to carry us. Let him that heareth, let him that absolutely attends to his words say, come. Let your will be done in my life. Let him that is a thirst, him who is painfully feeling their need, wanting refreshing strength and support, say, come. Jesus, let your will be done in me. Let him that wants the water of life come and have it freely and gratuitously. What decision do you need to make today? but haven't spoken about with your Heavenly Father. When we speak to our Heavenly Father, he does what any good father would do. He brings comfort and strength. He will help us in the time of need. You know, when Jesus needed strength the most, an angel from heaven appeared and strengthened him. Just like Paul, you heard the sermon a couple of weeks ago from Brother Dibble. Don't be afraid. An angel of the Lord stood by me all night. We're going to be okay. And that's what we're afraid of. We're feeling all these emotions. We're feeling all the pain, the trauma, the circumstances that we're going through. And we're wondering in our heads and our minds, are we going to be okay? Because I don't feel okay right now. Am I going to be okay? I'm in this pit and I can't get out. Am I going to be okay? But the Lord says, I have sent an angel to strengthen you to be there by your side. And you are going to be okay. So come. Come to me. Come to me with your worries. Come to me with your pain. And, you know, after that angel came, Jesus was strengthened, but he didn't stop there. It says that he was able to pray more fervently until he surrendered his will over to God. He said, not my will, your will be done. How many times do we give up? too soon because we don't want to feel the agony or the pain of travail, the pain of prayer, because sometimes prayer hurts. Literally, gut-wrenching pain doubled over, the whole box wasted because you're just crying so much. Isaiah 66, 9 says, In the same way, I will not cause pain without allowing something new 
to be born, says the Lord. If I cause you the pain, I will not stop you from giving birth to your new nation, says your God. A mother cannot stop in the middle of giving birth because, because she feels a little pain. Thank you, Sister Wendy, for that witness. Amen. And all the mothers in the house say amen. We can't just stop because we feel a little pain. We have to push through the pain. Push through the pain in order for you to be delivered as a woman, as a mother. For you to be delivered of the pain, you have to push through it. You can't avoid it. The epidural only does so much. What do you do? You have to push through the pain in order for you to be delivered of the pain and bring forth that joy that is your baby. It's all worth it. It's all worth it. The pain, the hours, 15 plus hours of pain, it's all worth it because of that beautiful baby that you're holding in your hands. If we do not push through our pain, we will be tempted to give up and we'll be tempted to give in to our will. But Jesus said, nevertheless, not my will, but thine be done. He reminded the disciples to rise up. Hey, get up. That you enter not into temptation. Sometimes the will of God calls us to suffer. I would like to tell you that it doesn't, but it does. We see it over and over again. I believe it was Brother James this morning that says that he read the scripture, the rain falls on the just and the unjust. Our hope is in Jesus. That is the difference. We have an eternal place, a kingdom that is far greater than anything else. We have hope in Jesus. And so we can endure the pain. But this walk with God is not just all roses. It is roses, but it's very thorny roses. You smell the beauty, but you feel the pain through it all. And we have to allow ourselves to feel the pain. But while we're feeling the pain, come to the Lord. Come to him. The will of God is filled with suffering, it's filled with pain, it's filled with breaking, constant breaking. Breaking to the point of not going back to what you used to be. I read this just this week, earlier this week in Alita's funeral. The price of an iron, barn is, uh, iron bar is almost $6. When turned into horseshoes, it is worth about $12. It is tr if it is transformed into needles, it is worth $410. As knife blades, it's worth almost $40,000. Can you imagine the number of blows and the terrible process a bar must go through to increase its worth? 
the more refined, the more hammered and exposed to the fire, beaten, crushed, and polished, the more it's worth. We all want that special touch from Jesus. We all want the anointing of Paul, the fire of Elijah, the boldness of Peter, the meekness of Moses, but none of the pain they endured to get to where they were. We don't want any of the sacrifice. Somehow we believe that we are the exception to the rule. We want the victories, but forget the trials. We want the call to ministry, but not the suffering that comes with it. But this world in sin have marked each and every one of us, shaping us a certain way. But God says, that's not the way I intended you to look or what I want you to be. So God breaks us and makes us after his will. And as we continue to place ourselves in the hands of the potter and remain there, he makes us over into a new vessel. Sometimes we are broken from the pain and circumstances of this life that when Jesus touches us, we realize just how shattered we truly are. He's just trying to pick up the pieces. And all we feel is the pain. His touch smooths every roughness in our lives like sandpaper on a piece of glass. We become smoother with each stroke, and he continuously changes the sandpaper's grade to refine us. I hear the Lord say, let them come. Let God touch you today. It is his touch that makes us what we ought to be. It is given up our will that accomplishes his perfect purpose in our lives. Jonah chose to come to God on his terms. He asked for another opportunity, and the Lord granted it to him. Still, Jonah wasted that opportunity when he sat on the hill waiting to see Nineveh burn. Wow. Jonah, why didn't you come to God completely? Saul never chose to come to God. Saul chose his will repeatedly in spite of God choosing him. In the end, the Lord rejected Saul because Saul chose his own emotions, his self-righteousness, and his, his own self-righteous indignation. And what can we say about Judas? Judas was chosen by God. He chose Jesus until Jesus did not fit Judas's description of a Messiah. And at that moment, Judas betrayed the one that loved him and gave himself for him despite his sin. But Judas did not feel he could come back to Jesus. His guilt and shame and all of those emo emotions got the better of him to the point of taking his life. Jesus is calling you today. 
He is calling you to come to him. There is so much he has available for you. Will you come? And there's one more example I want to mention as I close, and that is Peter. Luke 22, 61 and 62. At that moment, the Lord turned and looked at Peter. Suddenly, the Lord's words flashed through Peter's mind. Before the rooster crows tomorrow morning, you will deny three times that you even know me. And Peter left the courtyard weeping bitterly. Peter had followed Jesus from a distance until he realized how great Jesus' love was for him. Peter was in pain because he was losing his friend. He mourned his master and felt betrayed by his feelings. He truly wanted to be there by Jesus' side. But when it came down to it, the cross was too much for Peter to bear at that time. Peter tried to distance, distance himself as much as he could. But the more he tried, the more it was evident that he had been with Jesus. It hurt Peter to betray Jesus. He cried in pain and in anger because he still did not know who he was. He knew who Jesus was, but he didn't know who Peter was. Isn't that where we are a lot of the times? We know who Jesus is. He's our Savior. He's our Redeemer. He's our friend. He's our healer. He's our provider. But here we are trying to figure out who it is that we are. I'm sure he thought of every encounter, every healing, every miracle, and every word that Jesus spoke. Yet, who is Peter compared to all of this? Peter counted himself a sinner and went back to fishing because he didn't want to face once again what or whom he had betrayed. Peter, do you love me? Feed my sheep. If you truly love me, come to me. Reconcile your past and your present with the Savior and let me tell you who you are. You are a rock, Peter. You are steadfast. You are immovable. You will do my will. Satan has asked to sift you like wheat. He has tried to shake your faith to the core, but I have prayed for you that your faith fails not, and when you are converted, strengthen your brethren. You will feed my lambs. Peter said yes to the Lord completely. Yes, no longer did he war within himself what he ought to do or who would win. Even in the struggle between the flesh and the spirit, God's will became greater than Peter's temporary want. What do you want today? If you could all stand. If you haven't had your moment of reconciliation with Jesus, today is the day. There is an altar. What a better place than to lay yourself upon 
and altar and say, nevertheless, not my will, but thine be done. Jesus wants to touch you and he wants to heal you, but you must take the step of faith towards him. He already took the first step when he died on Calvary. So come and touch him. Luke 6, 19 says, Everyone tried to touch him because he healed, because healing power went out from him. And he healed everyone. He wants you to touch him. He is calling you to come to him. Healing is available. It is ready. It is for you. Don't be afraid of what people might think. Don't even be afraid of the thoughts that are trying to invade your mind, that are trying to stop you from touching the master. That's where the battle takes place. 90% of the time, it's in your mind. You want to, but something is telling you, no, you're going to be made a fool. Someone's going to come and say something that they shouldn't. Someone's going to do something. Who cares about those that are around you? I want to touch Jesus. I want to come to Jesus. I've come to the place where I can't do it by myself. I can't do it. So I need Jesus. And if I have to cry, then I'll cry. If I have to wail, then I'll wail. If I have to moan, then I will moan. But I need my healing. I need a touch from the Master. Will you be made whole today? The cost is our flesh and our will. These altars are open. If you'd like to pray where you are, please do not waste this opportunity to come to the Lord. He is calling you today.
Why don't we clap our hands to Jesus right now? Amen, amen. Isn't Jesus good to us? Amen. Aren't you thankful that we can come to him? Amen. With our feelings, with our emotions, with our pain, with our hurts. Amen, amen, amen. Amen. You can be seated at this time. We're going we're gonna to special presentation at this time, but we're actually going to ask Pastor and Sister Tryon to come up and stand here in the front. It is Pastor Appreciation. As they're coming, why don't we clap our hands to the Lord for them on their behalf. Lord, we thank you for our pastors. Hallelujah. We thank you, Lord, for their years of service. 
28 years and counting. Amen. And faithful service, exemplary service, and we are thankful. Pastor and Sister Tryon, we did not forget about you for Pastor Appreciation Month. Um, our Sunday school classes have a very special presentation for you, um, and we have some other things. So we're going to ask them to come now um, and present to you. One thing about Pastor and Sister Tryon is we know they love our children, right? And our children love them. We got more. So um, as most people know, um, this month is Pastor Appreciation Month, and in honor of Pastor Appreciation Month, um, our Sunday um, our Sunday class school thing, um, we made Pastor Tryon um, a huge card, and um, thanks to you, um, whether you're preaching to us or just encouraging us to follow God in our way, um, not only myself, but all my peers and classmates, um, we thank you very much. Pastor devoted to giving so much. God only knows all the souls you've touched. Committed to serve when you answer God's call. You prove it by being a servant to all. Thank you. God bless you, Pastor. And you have your little self on the swing here. Awesome. We'll set that up so everybody can look at it a little bit later, but that may be the biggest card I've ever seen. <laughs> That's awesome. Awesome. All right, and our youth class is going to come as well. Pastor and Sister Tryon, just want to say thank you for being the pastor. You do everything when it comes down to preaching, preaching the service and take care of all of us kids. Whenever we need the basketball to go play behind the church, truly honored to have you as our pastor. Thank you. All right, so now, you know, we're going to try to do this somewhat social distancing as much as we can, um, but Pastor, all of your, you know, behind the scenes, we've been working, and, and we've, we've got some gifts for you, 
um, and some cards and stuff. And so if everyone wants to prepare their gifts and things, we're going to start on this side of the sanctuary and have have you come up by family or by however group you might have gotten together to do it and come up and present your gift or your card to pastor. We're going to try to keep it one-way traffic, so if you're on that side, just kind of work your way around. If you want to form a line and just, you know, if you want to mask up or keep your distance or whatever you want to be, we'll start on this side and just have everybody come up. Um, if you want to start maybe with, with Sister Marie, my family will come up and, um, and then we'll, we'll come around and then everyone just kind of get in, in line and, and go around. Uh, again, thank you. We love you. We appreciate you. Um, we can't say enough about what you mean to us. Why don't we give them a hand, and then you can just get in line, and we'll come around, everyone, and present your gifts to them. Anyone else that wants to follow around, if you're on that side, just we'll make a line and just follow around and come this way. By the way, if you didn't get the notice about this, um, you might want to give us your contact information. Um, the only way to really do this was to kind of send emails and not copy them on it and um, try to get a hold of everyone. And so um, if you didn't get a chance to give and you would like to uh, at any time, you can drop something off at the church or bring it at any time uh, to say thank you. Thank you, buddy. I appreciate that. Um, and... Um, and you can you can do that if you would like. I apologize if we did if the email did not reach you, um, but I encourage you to get with me or get with my wife um, and give us your contact information, so that we can um, make sure that you get the communications going forward. All right, is that everyone? All right, so I'm going to give Pastor and Sister Tryon a chance to say something if they would like to um, here in just a moment, um, but don't leave yet. Um, because there are cupcakes and there is cake um, in the, uh, there's cupcakes for you and there's a cake for Pastor and Sister Tryon uh, back in uh, the Sunday School classrooms, and so we're going to make sure that's all set up, but I'm going to give them a chance to say something now. I hate wearing masks. <laughs> but no, thank you very much. We really... Um, don't feel worthy of, of all that you do for us. You are such a great congregation to be able to minister to and pastor, and we love every one of you. Thank you so very much. I say the same. God bless you all. Love you dearly. 
Last thing is, don't spend a lot of time looking at the picture of me on the swing, <laughs> because that is a little embarrassing. <laughs> but thank you again so very much. Lord Brownless, are we? He stepped out. Okay. All right. So I guess let's all stand. Thank you again for everything. Uh, Brother Brown said there's cupcakes out there, so that's awesome. Brother Brown, did you have anything else? Yeah, thank you, Pastor, for being with us all the time, for all the time. Our, our lows and our downs, the Pastor always there for us, encouraging us. Amen? Thank you, Pastor. Thank you, Sister. And thank you to all the members that, that gave to the Pastor in Jesus' name. Amen? Um, to the Spanish people, los invito esta noche que nos acompañen a nuestro servicio especial. Todos servicios son especiales para nosotros. Esperamos que estén con nosotros, que el Señor los acompañe en en el regreso de casa y que sea el Señor que los bendiga siempre. We are all dismissed in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. Gloria a Dios.